Hello, Liturgy Eye listeners. This is your host, Jesse Weiler, and we have another great episode for you. But first, I want to remind you about our Young Adult Liturgy Conference coming up June 15th, 16th, and 17th. It is a study weekend here on campus, and you get to find out what it's like to study at the Liturgical Institute. Plus, you get to meet a number of our really amazing summer students, and we have sung mass and chanted Liturgy of the Hours and uh, a lecture about uh, the Liturgy of Drinking. It's it's going to be amazing. You should definitely check it out. You can register at www.betransfigured.com. Our early bird pricing gives you $50 off at this time, but it is only available until April 30th. So if you're interested, go to www.betransfigured.com. We have group rates available too. So if you have a group of 10 or more people that want to come, uh, give us a call, 847-837-4542. Talk to Karen and she will get you set up. This week, we have our second episode. We're just trying to get back on track because we did not have one last week. And Chris kind of guides us through the sign of the cross. What is the sign of the cross? Where do we see it in scripture? Where do we see it in nature? And it's just a really great conversation, especially before Good Friday uh, in a couple of days here. So without further ado, episode 30 of season two of The Liturgy Guys. Enjoy. I'm going to talk to you today about the Mass. The liturgy is what enculturates the gospel for us. What are you, some kind of altar boy? And, and it enculturates it into our day-to-day life, our, our day-to-day existence. It's pretty dang exciting, huh? We're called not to some crapshoot called life, but to an adventure in fidelity that beckons us to cast out to the deep. The Liturgical Institute is proud to present The Liturgy Guys. Wait, should I record this? You haven't started recording? I'm, I'm looking intently into your eyes. This, this is not a Coffee Talk episode, but I had another cup of coffee. So if you notice, I'm gripping white knuckle, gripping the table here. This is because I'm that excited. Let's go, Chris. The sign of the cross and the cross is exciting. And we thought that in preparation for the triduum, and especially Good Friday, where we adore the cross, that, uh, remember what adore means? The ad, etymology? Ad ora. To the mouth. mouth of. to mouth. I spell yeah. triduum with a W. <laughs> That's pretty good. Jesse. You're welcome. We call it, lovingly, we call it the triduum. The triduum. Because we once ran some radio commercials. Triduum. Ah, I like it. The guy didn't, he didn't uh, ask me how you pronounce triduum, and he was running commercials for our treasures of the triduum. Calling oh. to Treasures oh, of the, the Triduum. Tri- Wait, are you serious? Yes, and don't, he, don't. he was supposed to let me review it first, and he didn't, so... Oh, that makes us sound incompetent, I know. too. Kevin's wife, Katie... Yeah, we don't need help with that. Kevin's no. awesome wife, Katie, heard this, and she's like, Kevin, do you know what they're running on the radio? <laughs> treasures <laughs> of the Triduum. So, mm. it's triduum. It's a what hard is, word. What does triduum mean? Three days. Three days. Yeah, so the triduum is its own liturgical season. It is? Really? It is. It's a season? It's not, it's not a part of Lent. It's not Lent. It's not nope. Easter. Wow. Lent. When does Lent end? At the end of Lent. <laughs> it ends right before Holy Thursday? No. Good Friday. Right before Spy the wins. Mass of the Lord's Supper. Uh, that evening. So yeah. Lent is Holy still, Thursday? well, it's still, it's, it goes into Thursday. It goes Okay, so right before the Mass, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So the Triduum starts at the Mass of the Lord's Supper. Yep. And it ends with uh, evening prayer two on Sunday. Wow. But then the Easter season goes so on. So it's kind of like Thursday night to Friday night to Saturday night to Sunday night. Three days. Triduum. Okay. But anyway, at the height of the triduum, of the triduum of these three days, yes. sort of, I don't know, I guess literally is uh, uh, Christ upon the cross. Yes. Right? So lifted up, 
When I'm yes. lifted up, I will draw all, all nations to myself. To myself. Yeah, okay. All. And in the middle of these three days is Good Friday, and one of the one of the main things that we do on Good Friday. Of course, we read the Passion. We we do those long intercessions, a series of ten intercessions. Let us kneel. Let us stand. Let us stand. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, uh, and then we adore the cross. Adora. We go. We kiss the cross. We go mouth we, to mouth with the yeah, cross. You do. But hopefully, yeah. we get the resuscitation. Right? Yeah. What we wanted to do was give some reflections on the cross so that hopefully, uh, keeping some of these things in mind, when you go to the Good Friday Liturgy and you adore the cross, that uh, action will have much more significance and meaning and be help you to pray it a little bit because more. Because the cross didn't come from nowhere. That is People exactly just say, oh, the, the cross point. is an electric chair. Well, no. The cross has a long prehistory before the New Testament or before Christ's life on earth, right? Yes. And you're going to tell yes. us some exciting typological yes. precursors. Yes. 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 Okay. Coffee, so baby. You can go all the way back to um, the first verse of the first chapter of the first book of the Bible. Okay. Genesis. Genesis 1. 1. In the beginning, with, uh, when God, the Father, created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was a formless void, and darkness covered the face of the deep, while what, Dennis? A mighty wind or breath. There's that wind that God breathes that to the make ruach? creation. That's the ruah. Swept over the face of the waters, and then God, what did he do? He said. He said. So you have God the Father, you have God the Holy Spirit, and you have God the Logos, Son, the oh, Word. So in the very first verse of the scripture, there's kind of the Trinity there. Mm. So if you're making the sign of the cross, for example, you're, you're recalling your own creation from the very heart. You're surrounding your heart with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit that's going to bring you into being. My mind is already blown. Okay. And we yeah, haven't even talked about the cross that. yet. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Okay. So in addition to these words, though, is there, was there a cross all the way back in the Garden of Eden? Well, there was the tree. There was the tree. There were, in fact, two trees, right? Tree. So most of us, we think of the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But there's but the tree of life, too. Yes. So Genesis 2, 9 says, Out of the ground the Lord God made grow every tree that was delightful to look at and good for food, with a tree of life in the middle of of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Okay, so when we see that, uh, uh, behold the wood of the cross upon which hung the Savior of the world, this is what the priest will sing on Good Friday, that was prefigured and anticipated by that tree of life which was in that first garden. So you were approaching the tree of life that was anticipated in the garden. Now, if I'm getting ahead of you, tell me, but you yeah. know what happens at the end of Genesis? To the victor, I will let eat. Well, no, no, no. Okay. Go ahead. Adam and Eve are kicked out of the garden. Yeah. And an angel with a flaming sword is placed at the gate of Eden. Precisely, it says, so that they can't get to the... The tree of life. Right. To guard the way back to the tree of life. Oh. God okay. wanted them to get there eventually, but not yet. And so there's a beautiful um, meditation that's in the Office of Readings. I think it's on... Holy Saturday, where it says the blood of Christ extinguished the flames mm. of the sword of oh, the really? angels. So the oh. fire that kept Adam and Eve out has been extinguished by the blood of Christ, so they have access That's again amazing. So now to the, the tree of the, life. The door, the gate, the way is open, and who is the door? Christ. I am the door. Yes, yeah, so now he is the door that's open the back to that The porter tree. Maximus. The tree. He's the door yes. and the tree. Yes. And the bridge. Yes. And yes. the offering, and the victim, and the priest. Yeah. The answer is, is always, is always Jesus. Jesus. Yes. <laughs> okay. All right, so creation tells us something about the tree of life. Okay, so when we approach that cross, when we make the sign of the cross, it means life. All right. When we do a liturgical catechesis or a mystagogical catechesis, 
the Catechism says, look in all of these different sources. So don't just look to what the Council of Third Carthage in the eighth. I don't know. If that's yeah, nobody, know. nobody, nobody likes that one anyway. That's right. That's right. So you look to these different sources. So you look to creation, which we uh, did, but you can also look to human culture. So think of, uh, so this would be true for Catholics, non-Catholics, anything. What does the cross or the X mean in culture? Well, if there's three of them on a jug, it means some pretty serious alcohol. <laughs> and <laughs> or, it or means poison. X marks the spot. X marks the spot, that's right. Wait, is where, that really, is that what yeah, we were going with? Yeah. Nice. Where is the treasure buried? We're at the, the inter, yeah, at, the, at the intersection. Yeah, so you've got uh, the cross. Underneath that cross is where the treasure is. Unless right? it's so this a mad, treasure, mad, right? mad, 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 mad world, then it's underneath a W. Jimmy Durante. That's right. That was mm -hmm. a fun movie. It was. It? Okay. What does it mean to be crossed? Ooh, angry. Like double crossed. Okay, it means a conflict. Mm -hmm. uh, what does it mean to be at a crossroads? Uh, you're an indecisive moment. moment. You have to yeah, choose. You have to choose. All right. So when you approach the cross on Good Friday, it means these things too. It doesn't just mean it's a tree of life. It means treasure. It means a source of potential conflict, and it means you need to make a choice. Oh my goodness! Okay? So you get this just from human it. culture. That's okay. great. Another source of meaning is the Old Covenant. So the, the Old Testament is littered with these. Uh, Littered, yeah, the not the right word is loaded with super these abundantly. Yes, what I think one of the most awesome is is the blessing of oh. Jacob's grandson. Oh yeah, Did yeah. we talk about this? The guy before? with the hairy arm. Yeah. So oh, that's no, no, no. That's uh, that's Jacob's brother. So oh. now this same Jacob is going to bless his two so grandsons. He, so he's supposed to bless the grandsons, and the right hand is supposed to be the superior blessing. Yeah, well, it. think what you do. The right hand, uh, right. this is what you put over your heart. Right. This is how you salute. This is how you shake hands. So the to the right hand is, is always, even yeah, culturally. Dominant. Yeah, no. That's why you call the left one the sinister. Yeah, but sinister. what he did when he did the blessing is he switched hands and formed a cross with his arms. Bingo. Yeah. Right, so Jacob, he's the one with these 12 sons. And the last one is Joseph. Joseph goes to Egypt, eventually Jacob and the other brothers, uh, his sons, that is, Jacob's sons, Joseph's brothers, they make it to Egypt. And before Jacob is about to die, as Jesse is saying, uh, Joseph brings his two sons to him, and he puts uh, the younger son, which is Ephraim, in his own right hand, and his older son, Manasseh, in his left hand, so that Imagine he's taking these two boys to their grandfather. And so what will happen then is Jacob's right hand will be on the older son, Manasseh, mm -hmm. and his left hand will be on the uh, younger. But as Jesse said, what he does, much to uh, Joseph's uh, surprise. Chagrin. And chagrin, that's mm -hmm. right. He crosses his arms over. Mm -hmm. And so it's Ephraim, the younger son, that gets the greater blessing through the right hand. And Manasseh, the older son, who gets the lesser blessing. And nobody wants hand. a blessing with the left hand. <laughs> nobody wants It's a left-handed compliment. Yeah. Mm. And uh, blessings back then were a big deal, right? This wasn't just like, oh, I hope you have a nice you know what, life. This uh, was like conferring authority. I was trying to make a point about, uh, uh, in another podcast, about uh, nuance. In mm -hmm. French, it means something like to be cloudy. Mm -hmm. Remember this when we were talking about incense? Do you know what uh, gauche means? Left. It means left. Ooh, yeah, so left-handed compliment. If you can throw a baseball well with your left mm -hmm. hand, that's that's good. But you're otherwise, yeah. Otherwise, it's it's through the right hand. Okay, that's so gauche. That's what people say if you're like tacky and uneducated. You're gauche. Mm. So, oh, I've heard. Yeah, I've you, heard that. You've before. heard that many times. I've heard that many Even times. Even you're right-handed. So what does that mean when you're approaching the cross? Is that through that cross, all blessing, all grace will be coming to us? Later, when the chosen people leave Egypt, uh, and they're, they're making their way to the promised land, and I think it's Joshua engages 
Amalek in battle, and Moses goes up on top of the hill to intercede for them. And do you remember what he does? Mm. He Is that when stands his arms there. Get tired? Yeah, he stands there and he oh, extends yeah. his hands. But after a while, Aaron his has arms to hold it up. Yeah, his him. arms get tired. So he, you know, you can just imagine him doubling over, putting his hands on his hips, resting for a little bit. Well, when that happens, the chosen people are defeated down below, and so they give him a rock to sit on. Thank you. Mm-hmm. That's comfortable. And Aaron and I think it's, is it Aaron? It's Aaron, yeah, it's Aaron and somebody, somebody else. I don't know who else. They hold up his arm so that he can retain this position of being in the sign of the cross. Pray, brethren, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable, right? It's kind of like the people help the priest in that situation. They do. They, they kind of, they, they stand in the breach, which yeah. is what the priest does too. Mm. So what does the sign of the cross mean as you're approaching it on Good Friday? That beneath this sign, we will be victorious over the enemy on our pilgrimage to the promised land. I Whoa. like it. Okay. That's like the seraph serpent on the... Yeah, statue. there's another one. That's I mean, they're Moses all time, over the right? place. Yeah, I mean, they, yeah. They, that was just the reading. It was. And yeah. during Lent, yeah, the people get uh, bit by the, uh, the serpents because they're complaining. And so is their punishment. Uh, they're, you know, they get sick. And so they make the bronze serpent. And when they look upon the cross, see, I think this did come up before. The, what the rubric says in the, in the Missal on Good Friday is you're only supposed to have one cross. And if there's too many people, what does the priest do? He elevates the he cross. He holds up the cross and the people look at it. Mm-hmm. And to look upon that cross is to receive healing from the serpent who has bit you in sin. Wow. Nice. nice. I love okay. this. Yeah, it's wow. good stuff. I hope it only gets better, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> well, we get uh, eventually, of course, to the main cross is uh, Jesus upon the cross. And so, of course, when we, when we make the sign of the cross or where we approach the, um, the cross to venerate it on Good Friday, it's a... Uh, Originally, this was a relic of the true cross. Most places don't have one of these anymore. So, but we approach that pro, uh, cross uh, and adore it, come mouth to mouth with it, because it is a true symbol, the true sacramental sign of Christ who was upon it. Okay? And so that mm-hmm. takes its, its true meaning. So when you do that on Good Friday, this is the most obvious meaning. But like Dennis said, this isn't the only meaning. There's, there's so much more that accrues to this cross. Haven't you talked before about like the orbits of planets or stars or something they go at angles to each other and they make a cross yeah well this was uh i read this in cardinal ratzinger's the spirit of the liturgy and he's talking about one of plato's dialogues uh i can't remember which it's the timaeus jesse okay page 12, the timaeus. and in the t- plato's timaeus he's uh, citing the pythagoreans do you remember anything about the pythagoreans um I mean, regular, yeah. Per, yeah, Pythagorean theorem. I only right. know that, A yeah. squared, yeah. A squared plus too. B squared anyway. equals C squared. So they were these big math people, the Pythagoreans. But what they saw when they looked up into the cosmos is these basically two orbits. Um, we don't have quite the same cosmology that they did now, but imagine the Earth doing this orbit. And if you look at it kind of from the side, it makes a line, right? Mm-hmm. And then you have the moon. Imagine the moon going around the Earth. Mm-hmm. Again, I'm adap- adapting this a little bit. And you put these two orbits across, and it makes a big plus sign a big in the plus sky. Sign or a, big, a big chi is what is actually, I think, is what it says yep. in the in the, the X. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. the the whole sky is marked with the sign of the cross. All the cosmos is marked with. And the chi the becomes the symbol of, of Christ, right? It's the first letter of his uh, yeah. of his name. Right. Okay. And if another source of meaning is not just creation. And it's not just human culture, and it's not just the Old Covenant, and it's not just Christ, it's heaven as well. Mm-hmm. So when we read in the book of Revelation... Oh, can I guess? Yes. There are trees that are good for medicine, and they give fruit every month. That's true, 
Because the tree of life is now producing all this healthy fruit. Well, it is. In fact, it it will say explicitly that to the victor, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which stands in the garden of God. Ah. So once upon a time, there was a tree of life that stood in the garden of God, door closed. And then there came another tree right in the middle of the Alpha and the Omega, right in the middle of, of time. That was the tree of the cross. And now in heaven, there's this tree of life once again that the victorious can have access to to eat. What so are the, the victor- bad apple becomes the good apple. It's sort of a, it's sort of a uh, I was thinking about this today, believe it or not, the apples and... The- is this Adam's apple? Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, right? She eats the poison apple. This is what you were thinking about? She eats the poison apple and dies, right? But then yeah. the, the prince comes along and give, breathes, kisses her, goes ad aura to her, and then she comes back to life. So I was wondering mm. if, if that legend has a Christological basis. Probably not. There's my literary criticism. Good. Go at it, scholars. Okay. okay. Let, me, let me just mention a couple more signs of the cross before we wrap up. So what did the victorious in heaven look like? How would you know who the victors were? They're in white robes. They are? Any other markings that the they might ra- have? Oh, they have the towel. Oh, yeah, the towel. So, the, they do. Heads, yeah. They do. Uh, so Revelation 7.3 says, Do not damage the land or the sea or the trees until we put the seal on the foreheads of the servants of our God. And there's this uh, little image you can see sometimes where the angels are up there and they're marking on the forehead where do with we the get sign that of the mark cross. on our foreheads, Chris? And, uh, well, with Ash Wednesday we did once upon yeah, a time, what else? too. At a baptism, is that right? I, uh, <laughs> what about confirmation? What confirmation. About anointing of the sick. Yes. What about just general blessings? <laughs> yes, lots of crosses, <laughs> lots of crosses. But even this one in heaven, right, where the victorious are marked with the sign of the cross and they can go and eat from the tree of life, this too shows up in the Old uh, Testament too, in the prophet Ezekiel. So they're in the Babylonian captivity and Ezekiel has this image of Jerusalem, which is now fallen. And in this, uh, this image, he sees um, uh, somebody dressed in white, gleaming white, and uh, God tells him to go through the city and mark on the foreheads the cross uh, or the Tau upon all of those who are wailing and lamenting over the abominations that have taken place in this city. And after that's all done, after the, the fellow, the person with the white garment marks them, then Ezekiel hears this voice that says to these, I don't know, six Avengers, go through the city and destroy it. Mm. Don't leave one stone atop another. Only do not touch those who are marked with the sign of the cross. Isn't this like the Passover where you had the, the isn't, blood, there, yeah. isn't there a cross with the... There's a, well, we didn't mention that one, but that's so another it's the, one. It's the blood of the lamb. You take the blood of the lamb. And it's marked on the top post of the door. But isn't there... Well, there, it's it's marked on the doorposts, which are the left and right, and across the lintel. So and kind of that a, a gibbet a, or a gallows or a place of uh, torture. Right? And so, yeah, the blood on the doorposts and lintels is another prefigurement of the sign of the cross behind which you find protection right. and the cross that identifies you as belonging to God. Hmm. So what does it mean? What does the cross mean? Everything. Healing, <laughs> life, life. Okay, Jesus. Eternity. My answer is Jesus. Uh, it means life. It means it's where your treasure is. It means uh, uh, point of decision. It means conflict. It means protection on your way to the promised land. It means victory. source of all blessing. It means victory. It means belonging to Christ, protection from Christ, uh, protection from death. A tough decision it, it ahead. Mean, a tough decision. It means eating from the tree of life. It means conforming yourself to history's definitive cross and tree of life. So there's uh, potentially a lot that could be going through your mind and heart and soul as you make that way up to 
I the was, cross. I was play. just studying a set of stations, the cross, by Leonard Porter, who's a painter, who's a friend of mine, and um, they're newly painted. He did all fourteen of them, but as you as it processes, the cross starts to get beat up first because it's getting beaten up like mm. Christ's body. But then in the last couple of stations, it starts to grow like little roots. Okay. And then in the last station that shows the cross, you know, when Christ is taken down from the cross, it has rooted itself into the ground. It becomes more tree-like every time. It's very, very Whoa. smart. So the cross becomes the new tree of life in this mm. set of stations. May I add one other thing then? This is somewhere in the Office of Readings. It's uh, Albert the Great, who is the teacher of... Thomas Aquinas. Thomas Aquinas. What he says is that the Eucharist, and I would say by extension the other sacraments, are the fruit that grows upon the tree of life. Mm. So you have this tree of Christ rooted, and it's growing, and it makes fruit. And the fruit is the sacraments, which we can receive and have access then to that tree of life. There you go. Just like the old Christmas thing, and a partridge in a pear tree. That was a symbol of Christ on the cross. Hmm. A pear tree, a fruit tree, paradise. Dennis, Jesse? I think it would only be fitting yes? for you to explain the exact way to do the sign of the cross, because some people do not say it correctly. Oh my, okay. Well, what do people sometimes do? Uh, well, actually, first of all, what is the I'll text? What, what yeah. is the text of the sign of the no, cross? I'll, let's start with what people do. They go, Father, Father Son, Holy Spirit. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Or Father, Son. Can I, can I interject something here? So of course. you might know that Pope Francis is doing these uh, catechesis in his Wednesday audiences, and one of them was on how to make the sign of the cross. He says, have you ever seen how children make the sign of the cross? They do not know what they are doing. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes they make a design, which is not the sign of the cross. That's what Agnes the does. design of the yep. cross thing is funny. Please, mom and dad, grandparents, teach the children from the beginning, from a tender age, to make the sign of the cross properly. That's there Pope Francis. You go. Which is, Dennis? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Why is it those words? Why don't because you don't pray in the name of the cause liturgy no because God you pray in the name of Christ because you're Christ but you can't pray in the name of the Father right because he's the receiver of your prayer he's the subject the object of your prayer hmm. why do you say in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit it's not in the Bible Father Larry Hennessy here at the Mundelein Seminary taught me this years ago and I forget most things but I never forgot that <laughs> because you've been baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit you're not praying in the name of the Father because you can't take his name and his authority so imagine that the sign of the cross was really started by saying I have been baptized and therefore I can pray I've been baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit so Father, Son, Holy Spirit is just three words in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit is a recall of your baptism and hopefully activating the, the, the graces of your baptism. So it's a precise thing. Does God probably understand what you mean if you don't do it right? Yeah. But would it be better to do it more fully? Absolutely. Man, when Pope, you told, Francis, Pope Francis thinks so. Yeah. When you told me that, now I hear people do it and, I'm, you and they annoyed. don't do it. Yeah, I get annoyed now. That's just how things work. When you learn the right way to do things. So. Yeah, that's just like saying this body, you know, instead of this is my body. There's something precise about those words to do and say and express an actual thing. Mm -hmm. And now I think about it when I do the sign of the cross because mm -hmm. because of that. Sorry. You think about what you're doing when yeah. you make the sign well, of the cross? Are you talking about conscious, that's intelligent excellent. participation in the liturgy? Yeah, that's mm -hmm. what it's all about. All right. All right. Question? Liturgy question? Yes. What do you think, Chris? Yes. It will be fruit and like medicine for the listeners. All right. If Chris answers well, it. Or it could be a cross. Yeah. If it's from me, it's a poison apple from him. It will be a pear tree. <laughs> 
So why go to the Liturgical Institute? Well, if you want to serve the church and do liturgical studies from the heart of the church, you won't find any place quite like this. This place is faithful to the magisterium, but it's a dynamic orthodoxy, not dry. And at the same time, it not only makes the faith come alive, it also empowers you to help that be the experience for others as well. Hi, I'm Dr. Scott Hahn, and I want to warmly recommend the Liturgical Institute for your consideration. Pray about going and studying and sharing the richness of our living tradition. Mail call! Mail call! Oh, Moses, Moses, why do you question me? Why do you care? Today, we have a similar debate over this. Anyone know what this is, class? Anyone? All right, we have a question from Anonymous. Kunagunda. Yeah, we'll go number six. We'll go Kunagunda number six. Uh, not to be uh, confused with Mambo number five. So Kunagunda number six. Kunagunda says, is it permissible to choose a confirmation saint after a saint in the Orthodox Church? Confirmation name. Confirmation name, yeah. sure. Yeah. Is so, it, Chris, can I think you, that's what she meant. Can you use a saint from the Orthodox Church for your confirmation name? That's a definite maybe. Well, <laughs> I don't, Wait, yeah. what? Really? I don't think there's any positive legislation that says yeah. yay or nay on that. But here's how I work it through. Mm-hmm. Right? Do you, well, first of all, do you have to take a confirmation name at all? No. Do you have at to take? At least. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, at least there, there is no legislation or norms or directives anywhere in the universal legislation or the national legislation that or in the Code of Canala, anywhere that says you're supposed to pick a confirmation um, patron. Now, local dioceses or local bishops might encourage that, and I think it's probably a, it's a custom, at least in where I'm familiar with. The, so do you have to take a saint's name if you do take a confirmation name? Well, that's the first thing. Do you need to take a name besides your baptismal name? But I'm saying if no. you do take okay. one, does so it have to be a saint? If you do... Yeah, I think it does. Okay. <laughs> that's the, but that's the, if you do, and it is a saint's name, can it be an or, a saint from the Orthodox Church? I don't know. I think um, maybe because, on the one hand, it seems like it's possible that it could because there, there's, there are no norms on it. There, there's no directive, directives on it at all. You know, on the other hand, confirmation is about amplifying and intensifying what you've received at baptism being defending the church and her faith more clearly. And there are differences between um, Catholics and Orthodox with regards to, say, the nature of the church and the place of the hierarchy and especially the Pope. And your confirmation is meant to help you to defend that. Will, say, a sponsor or even a patron who is not entirely in line with that be good? Well, I think you could make a case that no, you, you want someone who's going to intercede for you to become uh, the best member of the mm. mystical body possible. So I, I, I can see arguments both ways. It could be an inspiring model and a life yeah. of holiness, mm-hmm. and then you would see them more like a, a venerable or something. They happen to be a saint in the Orthodox Church. But if you want to be sure that they're interceding for you in heaven, then you probably want to stick with a canonized Roman church I think saint. so. But again, maybe it depends on the saint. You know, if so-and-so grew up in the Russian Orthodox Church, right, they it might wasn't be, like an agitator yeah. against the Pope or something. They might have this a This is parent. where she happened to, to live. Yeah. And so it's um, a little unclear. I don't know. Talk to your pastor. 
Okay. <laughs> Call the Office of Worship in La Crosse. <laughs> yeah, you'll just get Chris. That'll be great. All right, Kunigunda. Um, I hope that at least helps uh, you answer your question. And if you have a question for us, you can email us at questions at liturgyguys.com. Thank you and God bless. The Liturgy Guys is produced by the Liturgical Institute. If you like what you've heard today, like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. And be sure to check out liturgicalinstitute.org to discover more about our degree programs, public events, and publications. Refresh your soul and renew the church at what Bishop Robert Barron calls one of the very best places in the country to receive formation in the Catholic liturgical tradition. Now that's a podcast.